sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. First Samuel chapter 18, reading from verse 20. Are we there? First Samuel chapter 18, verse 20. I want to thank you for the warm welcome and for all that you have put together to make this meeting a reality. Amen. And I want to congratulate you for coming for the Pastor's Wives Conference last year. I can see that you are coming of age. Amen. May the Lord bless you and I trust that your lives will be enriched. Thank you also for opening your home to us, for receiving us into the Garden City. And may the Lord remember you. Amen. Okay. And Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him hair, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of the twain. And Saul commanded his servant, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king has delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke these words in the ears of David. And David said, Seemeth it to you a lie thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing that I'm a poor man and lightly esteemed. Verse 28, 27. Wherefore David arose and went, he and his men, and slew of the Philistines two hundred men. And David brought their false kings, and they gave them in full tale to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, to wife. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Amen. Now, why do I say, I'm sure I have a cold, so my voice is a bit hoarse this morning, but why do I say that too close for comfort? It's because Michal is in the place of the wife for David. And usually as a wife, or even as a lady pastor, you are likely to know the man of God better. And you are likely to see him 
in different situations that the ordinary church member does not see him in. You are likely to see him at PFI joking and feeling very free. You are likely to hear him share his PPQs, his pre-preaching quarrels with you, sometimes at PFI. You are likely to see him in a pair of shorts relaxing. You are likely to know sometimes that he's boring his wife. All these things are things that come because you are up close and sometimes personal. And then if you are a pastor's wife, you are likely to even see more of your husband. And even to see him, excuse me to say, in his nakedness. So sometimes, if I often, you are very close in that sense. By virtue of being a wife, by virtue of being a lady pastor, you are closer to the visionary in a certain sense than the person who sits in the congregation. And so because of that, the sin of familiarity can creep in, and other sins as well. And that is what I want to take you through this morning, so that the Lord will prepare us and we'll be able to guard our hearts against some of these things. And if we look at the story of Michal, Saul's daughter, she was also married to an anointed man of God. Amen. And the Bible says here that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David to start with. And many of you, you loved your husbands in the beginning, even before marriage. And in fact, that is why you, you, you married them, because you loved them. Sometimes you loved something that was not real, or you loved something that was partial, but not the whole. Hallelujah. Maybe you loved his gifting, you loved his anointing, you loved his ability to preach. And when you store his pastoral gift, you said that, ah, at how he looks after me as a sheep. If I marry him, the care will be better. And so based on that, you allowed your heart to go loose and you fell in love with the man of God. Amen. Some of us who may not be pastor's wives, maybe you fell in love with the gift and the visionary and you know the anointing is attractive. Like so Solomon said, said, because of the anointing, the maiden loved thee. The maidens love thee. You know, so Anointing is something that attracts, and it attracts especially women. And that is why men of God who are anointed also have to be careful because the anointing makes maidens, not everybody, maidens to love you. Amen. And sometimes when you get into marriage, or you get a bit close, then you see more things. It's not that he hates what he was, but you didn't have the opportunity to see these other areas of a person's life. Many times before you are married, when you meet the person, he's in a good mood. And he's very happy to see you. One sister told me that her husband could call her for eight hours on the phone. Now that she has married him, he doesn't say even two words in the house. He has made himself quiet. And I said to her, I think that's how he is. Because even for me, related to him, I think he's quiet. He said, so... What made him talk for eight hours on the phone? And I asked my husband, he said, oh, it was testosterone. The, the male hormone, but even the man himself didn't know. That's why he was talking a lot. And then also, when you haven't conquered something, it looks far away. And you want to fight for it, you want to reach for it. But when you get the thing, it's like victory is over. The battle has been won. 
and you feel like you have to hang your, your spear and your sword because you have gone to battle and then you have come back. <laughs> Amen. And then also when you are in a relationship, so, so many areas of your lives don't come into play. For instance, finances. When you are in a relationship, he has his money, you have his money, your money. If he is broke and you want to, you help him a little. If you are broke and he wants to, then you help him a little. But he does not decide for you or decide with you what we are going to use the money for. But as soon as you marry, he begins to say, I believe in joint account. Bring your money. Hey, I have not seen this before. This goes to from where? This man has pretended to me. He has not pretended. But it hadn't come up. But now that you have married, it has come up. Before you married, he didn't need to leave his wet towel on your bed because you were not up close. Amen. But now you, you married, you saw that, ah, when you come back from work, the bed is smelling, ah, the bed smells dumb. Why? Because when he baths, he always forgets to put the towel in the bathroom and he puts it on the bed. And sometimes he's a scatterer and you are a gatherer. So he married you not knowing that even that was what was attracting him. So as you are gathering in the house, he's also scattering his shoes, his socks. Somebody told me, lady pastor, when my husband comes back from work, he hangs his trousers and his tie on the television. What type of life is that? My father was never like that. My father put everything in place. But that's why you are not married to your father. Amen. But when he knows that you are coming to visit him in the relationship, he does not hang his trousers on the television. He polishes it because he has something to fight for and something to impress. And you too. Even when you are chatting with him and you get angry, you say, oh, he's my beloved, so it's okay. But in marriage, you are living for a long time. You cannot keep that thing. You have to become yourself. And so now you start to face him. Ah, I never heard you raise your voice. Eh, because nobody has annoyed me like this before. So there are so many, many areas in our lives. Sometimes it is we, the wives, who are scatterers. And at least when you live in a house, your room is your own. You know where everything is. You go and marry, you can't find the person. One lady pastor said to me, as for me, it's my husband who finds all my things for me, including my underwear. When I wake up in the morning, he has arranged everything. I said, please, where is my this, then he brings it. Where's my ladder? It's only God knows what really happens in the inner chambers. Hallelujah. And then when you are beloved, you are not likely to fight over sex or bedroom matters. Because you are in love. You are rather trying to stay off each other. But when you marry, you come home. You say, Media, my bread. It was all not part of it. But now, it's a part of it. When you were staying on your own, Sister Ben is saying, man, you were wearing the nightie that you like. Whether you will lose uh, calico or what is up to you. Now when you marry, the person says, I don't like this nightie. So what type of war Christ is this? I've lived in my father's house. I sleep in what I like. Marriage brings a lot of responsibility. And it also brings a lot of revelation of you and of your partner. And that's when we have to handle all that. You know, many people, many pastors who joke in the church, when they go home, they are themselves. They are tired. 
So when they get you to the house, they become themselves with you. Say, when you meet the other sisters, you joke, you are yourself. When we come home, you are like a mouse. What type of what is that? He has come home from battle. When he meets the church people, even if he is angry, he has to relate to them. Even if he is angry, he has to minister to them. Even if he is afraid, he has to rise up above that and be what God wants him to be. But when he comes home and he's angry, after all, it's you and you know me and you must accept me. And women have a way of personalizing that. We begin to think it's me. It's me because when he goes to church, he smiles a lot. When he comes home, he doesn't talk. But maybe that is the real him. But under pressure and under duty, he talks. But when he's himself, he's tired. See, now coming to talk about your problems. After he has counseled everybody, when he comes, he starts to snow. I'm not saying that it's right, but it is um, an occupational hazard. Okay, it's something that comes up with the work. Occupational hazard is a risk that is associated with your work. If you're a doctor, your occupational hazard may be that a needle can go through your finger. You can catch an infection on the ward. All these are occupational hazards. It's associated with the work. And pastoral ministry and ministry also has occupational hazards. Amen. So the Bible says that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And David also felt that he had really been promoted to marry the king's daughter. He says, it's, it's a light thing to you that I should be the king's daughter, son-in-law because my background is not the same as hers. He said, I come from a very poor place, so you don't know what it means to me for the king to want me to marry his daughter. But actually, Saul was doing this for wrong reasons. He said that, let me give him my daughter to marry. But before then, I'll ask you to go and get a dowry from the Philistines. And the dowry will be the four skins. He has to circumcise 200 Philistines and get their four skins. And when he goes like that, he will be killed. So he'll become a snare to the Philistines. That was Saul's mind. But when God is with you, he delivers you. So God delivered David and he had Michal to marry. And the Bible mentions again that Saul saw that his daughter loved David. And that is a stage at which we all start. We are really in love. And we really want to be together. And we really want to marry this man. And even when our fathers and our mothers say, push the date back a bit. You say, what is that? We, we want to marry now. You are a stumbling block. The Bible says better to marry than to bear. You are in a hurry. <laughs> Sometimes even you don't have their consent. You want to rise up above their consent and still go and marry. Because it is love. Amen. They say love is blind, but the neighbors are not. Only the two of you are blind. The neighbors around can see. So let's go now to 1 Samuel chapter 19. As we progress through Mikhail's love story. Too close for comfort. Hallelujah. Reading from verse 11. Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Michal let David down through a window and 
he went and fled and escaped. And Michal took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. And Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed, that I may slay him. And when the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image in the bed, with a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster. And David said unto Michal, and Saul said unto Michal, Why hast thou deceived me so, and sent away mine enemy, that he is escaped? And Michal answered Saul, he said unto me, Let me go, why should I kill thee? So David fled and escaped, and came to Samuel in Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. Amen. We see that even here, Michal is still trying to protect David. And she still respects him, and loves him, and wants the best for him. So much so that when her father wants to slay David, she reveals her father's secret to David that if you don't escape, you will be dead. And so much is our love that sometimes we are prepared to even go against our parents so that our marriages will work. And Michal knew that what Saul was doing was not right. You know, just like Jonathan. He didn't just say, oh, we are related. So let me just do as my father said. Jonathan said to his father, what has David done to you? He has done you only good. Why do you seek to slay him? And when Jonathan found out that Saul was going to slay David, he met him secretly and said, run away for your life because my father's plans concerning you are not good. So loyalty can make you go even against those related to you, especially loyalty to God because you know that even though the person is related to you and is your father, he is doing what is wrong. And you don't have to condone it. You may not be able to preach to your father that stop it, but you can save that life. And that is what Mikhail did. I want to say that Mikhail was no different from you and I. She was a proper woman. She was somebody who loved her husband. She was somebody who was dedicated to her husband and even saved his life. But for Mikhail, David would have died. And I always say that our weapons, they look very um, feeble. I mean, just dressing an image and putting it in the bed. Hallelujah. Just dressing an image and putting it in the bed. But that is what saved King David's life. And that is what God used. Hallelujah. But we are going on to see. Second Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel chapter 6. Reading from verse 12. And it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they had bare the ark of the Lord, when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen effort. What it is is that the ark of God was being kept in Obedidom's house. 
And David heard that Obedidom was really being blessed in all his house. And David said, hey, if that's the case, let me go and bring the ark of God to its rightful place in the tabernacle so that God can be a blessing to me and to everybody else. And the Bible says that when he was bringing the ark, he sacrificed. Every six steps, he will give a sacrifice. And he danced with all his might. This shows us David's dedication to God. That every six steps, he gives an offering. It's something great. And I see that all the great people in the Bible were people who were used to giving offerings. It was a lifestyle. That's just by the way, but it's something that has ministered to me personally. And I want to also cultivate that lifestyle. But when I walk every six paces, I just give an offering. I just bless somebody. I think that it is a good thing. And the Bible says that David danced with all his might. When your husband or your pastor or whoever is the visionary also in your life is doing something with all his might, let it be an indication to us that it is something that is very important to him. Let it be an indication to us that it is something that consumes him. Let it be an indication to us that it is something that is precious to him. It may not look precious to you, but what is precious to the one you love must be precious to you. Not because you see it, but because it's precious to him. Whatever your husband or your visionary cherishes, you must also try and cherish, especially the things of God. So try not to make average the things that your husband cherishes. The Bible says he danced with all his might and he was clothed in a linen effort. A linen effort was a humble type of gown for priests. And David was a king. So what it means is that he had put away his kingly robes to wear what priests wear because it is believed that he was a priest and a king. Hallelujah. And so Michal, who had grown up in the palace, was used to and knew how a king must dress. And you, David, you have gone to wear a lowly garment of what priests wear. Why have you changed your clothes? I am the queen's daughter. I have been to finishing school. I know protocol and etiquette. And from looking at my father and my background, I know how a king should behave. My father has never worn such clothes for public appearances, like what President Kufu wore on uh, Independence Day, and some of you were facing him. <laughs> the Lord forgive you. <laughs> but David was wearing something that signified his relationship to God, a linen effort. So although it looked humble, it was also something holy. And so in our walk with our husbands, in being so close, let us not look down on that which looks unattractive, but is still holy and sanctified in the sight of God. Because God does not judge as man judges. God does not see as man sees. The Bible says that man judges from the outward, but God judges from the heart. And so the fact that he wore a linen effort, don't just look at the social graces. Think as a spiritual person and think as a spiritual woman so that you can read spiritual things into some of these actions. Amen. He danced with all his mind. Verse 15. 
So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Look at what joy. David and all the house of Israel. Everybody in the house of Israel was there to bring the ark. How come when we read further, Micah was not there? All the house of Israel. Even the ones who are not in the king's palace came to receive the ark of God. How come only you, you were left at home? How come all the house of Israel came, but you didn't come? Beloved, it is when we are not a part of something that we become more critical. It is when you are outside something that you have the chance to even look out for things that are not mistakes. But when you are a part of it, you are so involved that you don't have time for idleness. The Bible says about the virtuous woman, she does not eat the bread of idleness. When you look at her life, her life is full. She's giving the maidens food. She's stretching out her hands to the needy. She's making her spindle and her staff work in the night. She's going to the merchant ships. She's bringing her food from afar. What time will she have to gossip and to look at what is wrong with you? But many times, we don't know that our idleness is breeding ground for Satan and for things that are not godly. All the house of Israel came with David. Micah was part of the house of Israel. Saul was a Benjaminite. But Micah did not come when the house of Israel came. Many of us, we isolate ourselves. Many of us, it is our own doing. Sometimes we are waiting for our husbands to bring us along. But when it's all the house of Israel, the whole congregation, the whole church is doing this. All of us are having daughter. All of us are doing fasting and prayer. All of us are doing get so many prayers. How come you, every time you have an excuse why you should not be there? How come you, you always find something better that you would like to do? Before Satan attacks you, he isolates you. Look at the crowd of animals. Every time when they are together, they are difficult to be attacked. But when you take one out, it's easier to attack that one. So Michal, all the house of Israel, the Bible said I didn't see, was there. But she was nowhere to be found. So David and all the house of Israel, verse 15, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpet. How can you still stay at home when they're shouting? God's people are rejoicing. The presence of the Lord is coming. It is only because you don't value spiritual things. You don't value things associated with God. You are carnally minded. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. There's shouting, shouting, and the sound of trumpets to bring the king into our midst, the king of kings and the lord of Instead of coming to see it face to face, instead of being where the action was, she was looking through a window. First of all, it means she was in a different place altogether. And secondly, she was alone. And she was just an onlooker and not a participant. When you are not a participant, you become a critic. 
Amen. And you will always have a window to look through because you are an outsider. Everybody else is out there. So you look through the window and you see David leaping and dancing before the Lord. The Bible says that it was before the Lord he was leaping and dancing. Many of us are too interested in social graces, respectability of men, the pleasure of men, so that we don't release our husbands into ministry. Because we are so concerned about what will people think. Amen. When your husband preaches on television, people will talk a lot. But you have to see beyond that that the word of God is prevailing and is being published everywhere. I'll tell you personally, I wasn't happy at all when my husband had to go on television. I felt that we had enough to cope with. Are we now going to do TV ministry as well so that people will add things to it? And I tell you, I am so happy that I'm not on television. I tell you honestly from the bottom of my heart. Because when I see news readers, every day people say something, hey, now is she married? They will give you a whole history. And they will say things that are not true. But if you want to be a real follower of Christ, your image will not, should not matter to you. What people say should not matter to you, but it's part of it. Can you believe that once my sister was working in Barclays Bank on the high street, at that time, multi-stores was open. She was just going across to buy something. When she got there, my husband was going to the office, so he passed in his car. He didn't see her. She was walking behind some people. And they said, hey, Sir Pastor Bruno all this is not true. <laughs> but my sister said that they were saying it with all their hearts. And they were really convinced that he was a madman. Amen. And there were times in the ministry we just take two tins of milk we knock them together, go and stand on a part of the place in Kolegono and just preach the gospel. Don't broadcast. They'll pour you in on us. They'll put things on the notice board. You are not the one to tell us that fornication is sin. We are adults, medical students. We know what we are doing. When we are preaching, his own mates will put on a sound system that is loud so that they will not hear what is being said. And I think that people thought that they could approach me. So sometimes some of them will call me say, look, Advise your beloved, eh? Advise your man. What he is doing. Medical school hostel. Shouting. Preaching about. It's not right. You know, if he wants to talk to people, you can call them for Bible study. But to stand in front of the hostel and be shouting at dawn like that, people learn late. And so they also sleep late. So I think, Adelaide, you should advise him. In my phlegmatic way. I'll say, but he's just preaching the gospel. And they'll say, oh, yes, but you should advise him. I've heard but I will not say anything to my husband. Amen. But all these things, you suffer embarrassment. You suffer your private life being brought out into the open. You suffer sometimes, like I was saying yesterday, even from a wrong perspective. Your husband is preaching, it's his own perspective, he's saying it. But if you decide that you are going to face him on every preaching, he will not hear the Holy Ghost anymore. You will now be his personal Holy Ghost and you will be directing him as to what he should preach. 
Anadea, shamelessness. The ministry comes with shame as well. Can you imagine that the Son of God was crucified naked? None of us have been exposed naked before. But the ministry exposes you in ways that... There are times when I want just a little corner to have a little private life. Just a little. Because sometimes I feel that nothing is private. You know? Sometimes even I come to the office and I realize that my curtains from my house, they have been removed and brought to the office. Recently, we had a set of furniture. And I was telling my husband that this furniture, I am sentimentally attached to it. He said, oh, but the prayer room needs it. What is sentimental attachment? The prayer room needs it. So it has to go now. And so it went. And I went round to the new offices. When we got to the prayer room, I had to hold my breath a little. When they opened the door, I saw my nice furniture. That has taken me for years to acquire. And it's not even that I won't get it back, but the way it is and the fact that it's been with me, I feel that it's a part of me. But a higher call is calling. And so it has to go. Amen. Sometimes I've had to allow people to stay in my house. When people stay in your house, they see more of you. They see what you do, how you are, and people can talk anyhow. But you still make them come in because you count the cause of Christ greater than your own personal interest. Amen. So what Micah was seeing, that David is sleeping and dancing, she saw it as an embarrassment. And I won't be surprised if it was like a sabone. Very, very bad dance. And maybe you are the cool type. You know, so when your husband comes to church, praise and worship, and then they say, oh, summer salty. And some of the wives, they look away, you know, out of embarrassment. It's like small meeting that we've come to. You are coming to just uh, leave yourself. How can that be? But if we see beyond that, but it's not just fooling. It's praise and worship. It is something spiritual he's doing to God. Although it has carnal and natural looking, whatever. We'll be able to rise up above that. Amen. And she despised him in her heart. It starts from her heart, ladies. First of all, it comes as a thought. Then it descends into your heart. Then as your heart is there, it begins to nurture the things. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, so she despised him in her heart. We always have to ensure that our hearts are right before God. I see that as for your heart, you can be very nice, but only God knows your heart. Everybody says nice things. Everybody can be a very nice person. Everybody can flow with you in a certain way. But what is in the heart? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. So what is in your heart? It is only God who really knows. Amen. So we should always be checking on our hearts. I have a message, daughter, your heart. And if one day you are able to get it, may the Lord bless you. And they brought in the ark of the Lord, verse 17, and set it in his place, in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered again burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And 
He dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. Remember that Michal loved David. Remember that Michal had protected him and saved his life. But the way we start does not mean we'll finish that way. The way you are today does not mean you'll be that way tomorrow. Because life has many challenges. Life has many seasons. The seasons of our lives change. Our circumstances change. Our situations change. And it is trying to still be godly in the midst of change. Therein lies the challenge. Amen. Now the Bible says that they set the ark there. And David again offered burnt offerings and sacrifices to God. And then he blessed the people. And he gave them everybody cake, figs or whatever. And then a flagon of wine. And then when he had sent them all to their houses, he came to bless his own household. Oh, how often this happens in our lives. We always come after the people, not before. The people are always put before us, and it's not easy. I will be the first person to tell you that it's not easy. I think that the greatest challenge in my life is sharing my husband with all of you. Amen. And the greatest challenge is sharing him with all of you times 500 churches and pastors and and church members. And usually, he would stay with them for some time. And usually, he would bless them. You see, your husbands will speak to the people first before they speak to you. They will have time for the people first before they come to you. They will minister to the people first before they come to you. And that is a very sore wound. I will not stand here and pretend that, oh, just flow. It's very easy. It's not very easy. It's not very easy, but God is faithful. That is what I've come to see. Because I realized that if I'd also kept him to myself, if I'd also hindered his ministry, I would not be standing here today, and I would not be able to minister in different places, far away Australia, Switzerland, America, and all that. I would not be able to stand in all this because I would have kept him to myself, and I would not have released him to be like broken bread that God can share everywhere. Whatever bread you cast upon the waters, God will bring back to you. Amen. But when you are going through it, it's not easy. Because you also have your own issues. And you wish he would sit down and just listen to you. But he has no time to listen to you. Am I dialing somebody's phone number here? He blessed the people. Because as you get tired, you say, Lord, what about me? When is this ever going to get to my turn? And even sometimes the people are not even grateful. The people you give your husband to, they are some way. That makes it even harder. If even they will be grateful. But most of them don't see because we are in the background. 
You see? So they don't see what you give. They see what the man of God gives. Well, this man of God, he has really sacrificed. He has really given this, but what the wife has given occurs to nobody. Not because they are ungrateful, but because we are where we are. So, But he who sees in secret will always reward you openly. I am living testimony of that fact. Hallelujah. So he blessed all the people. And when he finished blessing them, he didn't leave them. He waited for all of them to go to their houses. Amen. Before he returned to his household to bless them. The fact that your husband comes afterwards to bless you or your household does not mean you are not important. But we often think that it's priority. And he doesn't prioritize me. And oftentimes, as the visionary, they also get carried away, which is not also right. They get carried away with their vision, the work they are doing, and they miss out on making time for their wives. When I have the opportunity, I tell them, your wives are like gardens. They need to be nurtured. The Bible says, a husband love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I hope some men are listening to this state and gave himself for it. And the Bible says that no one hateth his body, but cherisheth. Cherish means to hold dear and nourisheth. To nourish is to put back the nutrients and the ingredients so that it can grow properly. Amen, brothers, that was a side issue. <laughs> but he blessed the people and then he came to bless his household. I'm sure Rikal is like all of us. She was thinking, Now that you, are, you have been with the people who matter to you, you have been with the people whom you will give everything for, you have been with the people to whom you will spend your life. Are you now coming home? What strength do you have? You have danced with all your might, leaping and jumping about. You have given them, both men and women, six and this and that and that. You have come home. Me, I should get up and minister to you. These figs and flagon of wine, that you didn't bring some. But you have come to bless your household. Never underestimate your role in your husband's life. Many times you will be tempted to, and you will feel that, oh, my role is not important. I've been substituted. It's not going to work. It's not true. He will always look forward to coming home to bless his household because home is a different place. Home is a place where he can take off his armor. Home is a place where he can put his feet up. Home is a place where he can say, I don't feel like talking. Home is a place where the food will be brought to him. And he doesn't have to feel obligated to provide food for the people. Amen. Amen. Many times you'll be tempted to think, well, as he's come, he's tired, he's leading his life. Let me just set the table. Me also, I'll go away and lead my life. It's a deception from the enemy. The greatest boardroom is your bedroom. The greatest boardroom is not out there. The greatest boardroom is not in the office. The greatest boardroom is not in the church. The greatest boardroom is in your bedroom. And nobody can play the role you play. The role the other people play, so many other people can play it. The role even other women play, so many people can play it. But the role you play is unique. And God has made it so. 
And you have to see it that way. And David returned to bless his household. Hallelujah. And where are we? The bless the household is which verse? 20, okay. And Michal, the daughter of Saul. They keep saying that. I think she was very conscious that she was a king's daughter. The daughter of Saul came out to meet David. It's nice to come out and meet him, but she came with the wrong motive. She came out to meet him, to face him fully. Amen. I think that as she stood in the window and meditated, the thing was building up. So when he came, she couldn't wait for him to come. She has to reach where he is and release. Amen, ladies. Mikhail's daughter came and came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows. Do not show disrespect to the visionary or to your husband. Even if you have a grievance, learn to speak properly. And if you know that you are too angry, don't talk at the time. Because sometimes the things that you say, you will not be able to take back. Words are seeds. And when they are planted and they start to germinate, it's very difficult to uproot them. And she was being very sarcastic. How glorious was the king of Israel today? And that's how we are. We are not straightforward with our things. So we make comments. So it's as if she's praising him, but in actual fact, Orkanasem, how glorious was the king of Israel today? Who uncovered his nakedness? She is re-describing what happened. He was wearing a linen effort all right, but he didn't uncover his nakedness. Maybe but it's not intentional. And of course, I'm sure that maidens too were trying to be his partners and dancing. It is annoying. I agree with you. I agree with Mikhail totally. Say ye he. Amen. But we don't just have to shoot off in our emotions. I feel this way, so let me just. No. Your feelings are not right. Amen. The Bible says, all Israel, both men and women. How come it's only the maidens you saw that they were rejoicing with him? What about the men? But we know women. And I'm sure that when she was looking in the window, she spotted a few and said, eh, that's what they always look at them. Look at them. Trying to get his attention. So when he came, then you faced him. So your facts may be right, but your conclusions are wrong. Totally. It's true that he danced. It's true that he almost uncovered, uncovered himself. It's true, but it wasn't true that it was just with the maidens. The facts, it's not true. They say all Israel came out. How come you saw only the because that's what concerns you. We am show. Amen. And AIM Shishi. Amen. That's why we need women's meetings like this. So that we can face the facts that. It's not something so nice. Oh, maidens, go on and dance with him. It doesn't matter. Hey, hey, is that what you saying? <laughs> Encouraged his nakedness to those maidens. Hmm. Mercy. And she despised almost oh, a handmaid. You see, handmaids are like servants or maid servants. You uncovered yourself to those handmaids. 
in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows, shamelessly uncovered. She has insulted him. You are actually saying that your husband is a vain fellow. It's like some of the mad men in the streets, how they behave. He's your head, oh. He's a person God has put in authority over you. So when you are saying something, take your time. Amen. The Bible says, speaking the truth in love. So speak the truth, yes, but in love. Don't just talk. We women, our tongues go before our heads. As soon as we see, we just talk, we shoot. And then later we said, oh, I didn't mean it. And I did, but the way you have described what be careful, what you say. Always see your husband also as God sees him. He's your husband, yes. You have to be real with him, yes. But see that other aspect also. When you come in into church on Sunday mornings, don't see him as your husband. See him as an anointed man of God. See him as somebody who can speak into your life. See him as somebody whom God has chosen. You see, God does not choose perfect vessels. God chooses imperfect vessels. And then he keeps working on them. You know, so some of you say, and even you say you are a pastor. Yes, it's God who chose him. He didn't say. And some of you say, I can't be in his church. Because when he preaches, I cannot receive. As I speak now, there's a pastor's wife. She's in Central Gospel, fully. Because she cannot stand her husband, his ministration, his whatever. So she's in Central Gospel. That's where she goes to church. She pays tithe there, and then she's moving. So many issues. When I've tried to get into her life, to even just sit down and counsel with her, she wouldn't listen. In fact, it's the worst pastoral visit I've ever done. Because I went to her house, and she left me as if I don't exist. She was doing her thing. Emma, you said this. Oh, I'm surprised. I said, oh, please, I came to see you. Said, yes, yeah, you came to see me. It wasn't easy. And to my view, she is the one misbehaving. But she is also the one who cannot take it. You know, so she has left. She's in another church. So when they drive by, the husband tells me, the children say, hey, mommy's new church. Mommy's new church. We've spoken and spoken and spoken. She wants to be there. But it's just like being a Mikau. You are out there. You are far. You are not where your husband is. If one day something happens, it will not be right. But would you have contributed to it? Because you followed your heads and your wounds. And you didn't follow what God was saying. 21. And David said unto Mikau, it was before the Lord who chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. David is also bored. He's angry. So he said, eh, I didn't even dance. Now I'm going to play. And I will yet be more vile than this. You see, when you, meet, when you introduce fire, they also meet it with fire. And then the thing gets spots. Because what David is also saying, it's not nice. I will yet be more of a, what kind of crown me anymore? That's what he's saying. <laughs> and of the maid servants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Beloved, let it never be 
that people honor your husband more than you honor him. Let it never be that there's a cheer group that you are not a part of. Let it be your aim to be the president of your husband's fan club. Life president. You cannot be removed. There's no democracy and there's no voting. Amen. And it's not easy because you know his weaknesses. You see his shackings. So to rise up and honor such a fellow is not easy for you. But you can still do it. Through the eyes of love. Always know that he may not be perfect, but he's a good person. He may not be perfect, but he's a blessing to you. And if you left him on the marketplace, many people would like him. Amen. Immediately. And so what you've got, you are talking about, and you say, eh, let them come and see. Some of them, they will see hell crowd, they will still be there. Amen. David said that I will be had in honor before the maidens. What's he saying? You don't honor me. Other ladies do. Do not let us be the ones who drive our husbands away from us. And drive them into the arms of other maidens by our behavior, by our utterances, and by the way we count to greet them, not with a good face, not with a good heart, but with the wrong things. He doesn't communicate with me. Everything I say, he doesn't say. But the last time he said that this, that, that, that. And I said, the last time when he said all that you are saying, how did he say it? And she said, you won't believe a lady pastor. His main way of communicating with me is through text and email in that aspect. aspect. But don't leave the honor to the maidens and the handmaidens. You do it. Because he knows that you, you know him very well. So when you praise him, your praise is unique. But many times we feel, oh, somebody said to me, ah, his church members are always praising him, pastor this, pastor that. So it's not me that I'm going to add anything. It's a lie from hell. Whatever you say, coming from you, it makes a difference. A few weeks ago, I was counseling a couple and the husband said to me, my wife says that I'm a great father, a great friend, to others, and a great pastor, but a very bad husband. So I asked the wife, is that what you said? Sister Mommy, I said it, because it's true. Then I said to the husband, you probably give more all the time to the people outside. So ask your wife, what is it that when I do, you will think that I care about you? Because you may not know her love language. So ask her, what language is it that when I communicate to you, you will know that I care? And when he did that, the marriage turned around like day and night. And the husband sent me a text. Asido, a lot of O's. <laughs> there are wonders in my house. Great things are happening. And when I was sitting with them, the wife was saying, you don't care. And the husband was saying that. Yeah, you also don't care. When we get to the bedroom, I said, okay. You, the wife, you called me. You, the husband, you also called me. Is this the behavior of people who don't care? People who don't care about their marriage. Why are you here at midnight talking to me? You both called, you both. It's a deception. Maybe you are saying, I don't see that you care. But it doesn't mean that you don't care. I told them, all these problems you have said, I'm not impressed. They are not dramatic problems. They are ordinary problems. Sister, mom, is this ordinary? So, oh, you're a class one. It's nothing. And I know that if you press on, it will be well with you. Amen. Amen. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child. And to
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.